thank you for the generous way you have given and cared and supported us this week. We humbly ask now that you'd use this offering, this portion that we return to you for, for your glory and for the service of your kingdom. We pray this in the name of our only Savior, Jesus. Amen. If you're comfortably able, could you remain standing as a way to honor God's word? It comes to us today from Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, beginning at verse 26. He also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I want to say a welcome and hello to those who are worshiping online. We have a lot of folks who are part of our online worshiping community. I heard from a couple of people, one from the Midwest, one from Flagstaff this week. So we'd love to uh, have you check in with us. Send us an email. Let us know you're watching and uh, how we can pray for you uh, this week. We're continuing our series of sermons on the parables. We began last week and titled this series, Tell It Slant. This is from a poem by Emily, Emily Dickinson, which she says, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. And we're going to be seeing this truth being told in unique and story and metaphor, metaphorical ways as we go through this series with Jesus. The poet Wendell Berry said this, ask the questions that have no answers. Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. Say that your main crop is the forest that you did not plant, that you will not live to harvest. Say that the leaves are harvested when they have rotted into the mold. Call that prophet. Prophesy such returns. Let us pray. Lord, you are our teacher, and these are your words, and they're eternal. And we pray that you would speak them now to each of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. broken up this series of sermons and on the parables into three sections and the first is we're looking at parables of the kingdom we started last week with the parable of the sower and then we're going to look at parables of grace and then at the end of the series we're going to be talking about the parables of judgment these first three sermons have a lot in common these first three parables because we're talking a lot about seeds we're talking a lot about soil um, there must have been some fascination or Jesus must have really liked this kind of analogy or this kind of story form to talk about seeds being planted and what happens to them. At first glance, this might sound a little bit like last week's parable, but there are some similarities. It's about soil, it's about seeds, but it, it really does come at us from a very different angle. Jesus said God's kingdom is like, now remember, he's talking about his kingdom. This is what my kingdom is like says. It's like a seed thrown into a field by a farmer. And when it and then he goes to bed and he forgets about it. Now think about this. Jesus is saying, this is what my kingdom's like. My kingdom is like a farmer that throws seed in the ground and he goes to bed. The seed sprouts and grows. He has no idea how this happens. 
The earth does it all without his help. First a green stem of grass, then a bud, then a ripe grain. When the grain is fully formed, he reaps, harvesting. Now, when Jesus is talking about his kingdom and he likens it to a farmer who scatters seeds in the ground, the word here, the Greek word here he's using is the word balo, from which we get our English word ball. Balo expresses an action stronger than our English translation scatter. The farmer is throwing the seed into the ground. It's a, it's a very intentional move. He wants it to stick. He wants it to penetrate the soil so that it'll have a good chance of germinating. But then notice what the farmer does next. He goes to bed. He waits. He trusts. She sleeps well knowing that she has done her part. Robert Capon suggests that in our passage is one of the most remarkable lines of Scripture. The earth, he says, all of it, mind you, good, bad, indifferent, bears fruit of itself automatically. Just put the kingdom into the world, throw seeds, put it into any kind of world, not only the world of hotshot responders or the spiritual elite, spiritually elite, but into a world of sinners, deadbeats, and other poor excuses of humanity, which, interestingly enough, is the only available world anyway, and it will come up. It will come up perfect kingdom all by itself. According to this parable, citizens of that kingdom, followers of Jesus, citizens who want to be a part of that kingdom, have three main tasks. Throw seeds, sleep well, and watch it grow. We are called to throw seeds into the ground. We want them to stick. It's one of the great tasks of the spiritual life of following Jesus is to be people who plant seeds and throw them. We plant the seed of God's word. We, we throw seeds when we read Bible stories to our children. We throw seeds when we, sitting over coffee with a friend, lean over and, and ask this question, what, what is God doing in your life? planting a seed. We throw seeds when our youth leaders and Sunday school teachers patiently love our ch children and they, they teach them the mysteries of God. We throw seeds every time we forgive someone. We throw seeds when we generously give to the poor. We throw seeds when we, we care more for others than for self. We throw seeds when we do the things that Jesus did, when we speak his word into the world. Martin Luther said that the reason why you and I are here is to become little Christs. And when you and I act like and speak like and do the things that Jesus did, the kingdom, God's kingdom, erupts, is established. It's present here, here in Scottsdale here in the corner of Mountain View and Hayden, here in Phoenix and around the world. Whenever that happens, the kingdom is there and is present. We throw seeds. Now, mind you, this is, not, this is a, a limited activity. Jesus didn't say the farmer is responsible. The farmer must work tirelessly and fix everything and get everything perfectly right. She must give every ounce of passion to make sure this happens. And if it doesn't, they have no one to blame but themselves. Jesus didn't say that. We're tempted to think that way in the church. 
we're tempted to think that whatever's going on in this world or in this community, it's my, it's my job. I have to make it happen. We have to do it. We have to have enough effort, and we do this. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we don't realize we're, what we're saying. I've been in meetings before and gathering with pastors and Christian leaders, and someone will say, you know what we need to do? We need to win this city for Christ. That sounds noble, but the language is, we have work to do. God's done his part, now we got to do our part. And this is in personal ways too, in personal relationships. Sometimes the church errs when I think, I'm responsible for your spiritual health. I'm responsible. So you're going to have to listen to everything I say. You're going to have to trust me on everything. And I'm the one that's going to make it happen in your life. And when we do that, we pull verses out of context. We, we say things to, to people and say, um, to whom much is given, much is expected. I, I've been in circles or situations where that has been spoken. And, and it makes it sound like, hey, I'm responsible. Or, you know what, God's done his part, but he's on vacation now. He gave you a lot. But now you better pick it up, pal. You have to earn that. And it's all works righteousness, and it all is people-centered, and it's all putting it on our shoulders. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Notice how limited the farmer's activity is. He just plants the seed. That's it. God's responsible. God builds. God takes care of all the details. God is the one actively doing and working here in our midst. Our role is very limited. When I, with, so, with another person and in a relationship, we ought to not say, you need to follow me, you need to listen to me, you need to be mentored by me. We ought to say is, tell me what God's doing in your life. Tell me about the mystery of how God's been shaping and molding you and moving you. He's the mover. How can I pray for that? How can I encourage that? This is a remarkable parable, and it's remarkable words from Jesus. Our role in God's kingdom is very limited. And yet, God can use that limited role to do incredible things. Incredible things. He invites us to say, hey, you want to be a part of this? You get to plant the seed. <laughs> and then you have no idea how this thing's going to grow. That's what he says here. Sequoias can grow from one little seed. I love the story of Francis Collins. You know, he was the author of the wonderful book, The Language of God. He's the, he was the director of the NIH um, under President Obama, and he and his team helped break the genetic code for cystic fibrosis, this remarkable uh, physician and scientist, of our, one of the most of our, of our time. Back in the day, he was an atheist, and he was in a hospital uh, as an attending physician residency at Johns Hopkins, and one night he went to go visit an elderly patient in her room, and she was close to death. And he was amazed at how calm she was. She just had this sense of peace, and he could just see in her, even though she was close to death, this inner joy in her life. And that kind of blew him away, like, you're about to die. Um, wh what is this? And he said to her, you're an amazing person. Where do you get this strength? So struck by what this woman had. And she looked up at him and she said this, Doctor, do you believe in God? 
And he said, well, I, I don't know. And she said, well, I do. That was it. That's all she said. You see the seed that was planted? It's not an overwhelming role. She didn't explain all mysteries to him. <laughs> she didn't say, you know what, I'm going to take you on as a project. That was it. But that seed struck a chord in his life. You know, that very day he left the hospital, he drove to the first church he could find. He was just driving around. There was a church. It was a Methodist church. He went in and said, can I talk to the pastor? And he said, can you help me understand Christianity? And that pastor patiently sat him down, and they shared, and they talked, and he planted some seeds. And then as Collins was leaving, the pastor handed him a copy of Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Isn't that wonderful? And the rest is history. We plant seeds. We just say what we've seen. We tell people, you know, God's in my life and working in my life. I see God in my church and I see God working in this community. And we don't have to explain all mysteries. Then the farmer, Jesus says the farmer, after he plants the seed, he sleeps, goes to bed, sleeps well. Again, one of the great dangers to the spiritual life and the growth of the kingdom is an unhealthy view of our role. It's limited. The, the world was a mess in Jesus' day. Um, it's a mess today. It's a mess tomorrow. This we know. It's not our job to fix that. It's God's job. He's working in it. Sometimes we get the idea that with enough effort, we can change that fact. But you know what? Maybe the best thing we can do as kingdom citizens is to be a non-anxious presence in a very stressed out, anxious world. Maybe the best thing you and I can do is simply be at peace, go to sleep, and say to others, on Sabbath rest, he's got this. It's going to be okay. He's going to make it work. He's going to finish the story. Maybe that's the best seed we can plant is to be non-anxious about it all. I trust in my Savior. Yes, it might look hard and messy and difficult and who knows where it's going, but guess what? We have a king <laughs> that allows me to sleep at night knowing that he's got it. And by the way, this kingdom is doing remarkably well. This kingdom of God is doing remarkable well. It, 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 it's thriving. It's thriving here in our city. We, we may be too cynical to see it. We may be too anxious to see what's happening. But here across the street, in all kinds of places, the kingdom is thriving. People are sacrificing and forgiving those who hurt them. And they're, they're loving the people who didn't, don't deserve it. The poor are being cared for. It's all around us. And it's thriving because God is working. God is doing. We can sleep well at night. We plant seeds and then we trust God to do the rest. Let God do the growing. There might be many nights when we sleep and we'll see little or no growth. So the farmer doesn't see everything happen at once. There might be nights when storms come. We'll wonder if the planting took hold. There are no guarantees. We do our part. We trust God. And when we get overwhelmed by our hard labor, the thing we most want to know is, is it, 
what's my responsibility? What do I have to do? Do I have to do something more? Do I have something else? Am I doing any good? Change seems slow in coming. But that's God's business. It's God's concern. You know, I think it's fascinating that when the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he, he began writing not about their work. So if he was writing to us today at Mountain View, God, Paul would not start by saying, Mountain View, you've got work to do. You people understand the, the great challenge in front of you. You know what you've got to do to clean up the city, to make things work. He doesn't do that. See, we're never going to tr- be able to trust in what we're called to do unless we understand what God's work is, what he's doing. Paul was imprisoned in Rome near the end of his life. He was writing after years and years of hard labor, but he began his insights. He began when he wrote to the Philippians, and he said this, listen, I am confident of this. Now, he doesn't say, I'm confident that you all are going to pull it together. I'm confident that this church is boy going to really make a difference. No. Paul said, I'm confident of this. The one who began a good work is the one who will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Did you, did you hear that? Paul wrote and said, hey, guess what, gang? Guess what, Mountain View? God started something. He's continuing it. He's going to bring it to completion. Trust him. He's doing great work. Now, this doesn't mean that we, when we say we sleep well and rest, it doesn't mean we're passive and uninterested. We sleep well because we know that God is in charge. We do have work to do. We plant seeds. We throw seeds. And we stay engaged in what God's doing in our community, in our world. You know, there, it strikes me there's really two kinds of Christians. There are, on the one hand, summary Christians. You know what summary Christians are? Summary Christians are always upbeat and happy about everything. You know, when there's tragedy in the world, summary Christians say, well, yeah, that's bad, but God's got this. He'll, he'll send responders. He'll, he'll make it happen. Summary Christians don't see any inconsistencies. They're, they're always upbeat. They're, they're prayerful. They talk about God a lot. They listen to Christian music on the radio when they drive around town, and they just seem to be always upbeat and positive about everything. Do you know a summary Christian? Do you know people like this? They can just sing and they, yeah. There's also a group of Christians we might call wintry Christians. Wintry Christians are up at two in the morning. And they hear about things happening in our world in the news. And they wake up at two in the morning and they're, they're full of all kinds of questions. And they pray to God and they say, God, why is this happening? How long, O oh Lord? Lord, I don't understand. Why, 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 why? They protest and they lament and they feel deeply the things that are happening in our world. Summary Christians, they don't feel what's happening. They know and they trust and they sing and they're happy. You know, when you read through the Psalms, some of them sound awfully summery. <laughs> some of them sound very wintry, actually. How long, oh Lord? Where have you been? How come you're not working? We need you right now. You know, in this church, we have both. That's a good thing, right? We really do need both. But do you hear in both camps, they're not passive. They see the world as God's kingdom, what God's doing. Some have complete confidence and trust, and everything is. The others say, God, I know you're in charge. I know you are, and I need you here, and I'm working. That's part of what sleeping well means. It's just trusting in all circumstances that God is working. 
And then finally, the farmer's job is to marvel at what grows and comes out of the ground. Grow seeds, sleep well, be non-anxious. And then when something does come up, to go, wow, how did that happen? And to marvel at it and say, look at what, look at what God's done. Isn't that wonderful? To have eyes to see. That's why we're here this morning is to remind each other every Sunday, hey, God's kingdom is working. Do you see it? When I was in junior high, my family decided to switch churches. And we switched to a Presbyterian church. And the pastor of that church was a man named Don Williams. And I had never heard anyone teach the Bible the way he did. It was passionate and full of life. And he, it was clear that he loved God's word. And his teaching, even when I was in junior high, had a profound impact on me. Don Williams, <coughs> just a master Bible teacher, so gifted in it. And I remember every Sunday just sitting and listening, and it was amazing and wonderful. And then I grew up a little bit, and I went to college, and I went to college far away, and I would, to drive to school, I'd have to take my little Volkswagen bug, and back then we had cassette tapes. That's the only thing we had, remember, cassette tapes. And I was about to make that long drive to college, and I noticed in our garage that my dad had a box of cassette tapes. And I thought, well, I'm going to get real bored here. I've got to get something. So I pulled a few tapes out of this box. And they were all by a man named Earl Palmer, and he was a Presbyterian pastor. My dad had loved Earl Palmer, and so he had collected a lot of his tapes from conferences. And so I began listening to Earl Palmer on that drive. Wow, what an amazing Bible teacher. I mean, I was listening on these long drives, and he would just, he was funny and creative, and he spoke with so much love of the Scripture. And, and oh, by the way, he loved C.S. Lewis, and he opened C.S. Lewis like any good teacher would. And I thought, man, I want to be like Earl Palmer. Like, what a gifted teacher. I'd, I couldn't get enough of it. And then I went to college, and I took a class on New Testament, Gospel of Matthew, by a man named Dale Bruner. Whoa. Dale Bruner taught like no one I had ever heard. I mean, Don Williams, Earl Palmer, and then... Dale, Bru Dale was scholarly and loved the Lord, and his teaching just opened new insights. He became a mentor to me. I still read his commentaries all the time because what a gift he is and what a gift to my life. He had an incredible impact on my life. And then I went to seminary, and the president of my seminary was a man named Tom Gillespie. And he taught me about scholarship and about love of the church. And he had a great impact on me in my life. Just listening to him and watching how he conducted and how he led students was amazing. Why am I telling you about these four men? I'm telling you about them because they had a great impact on my life. I don't, I, I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for the seeds that they planted. But here's the thing. All four of them, all four were in the same college Sunday school class at Hollywood Presbyterian Church. Led by a woman named Henrietta Mears. 
Henrietta Mir. This is back in the day in the 50s and 60s where women were not allowed to be pastors. And so, I mean, if you're going to script this out, this doesn't really work this way. And yet she, through her teaching, impacted these four. And oh, by the way, it impacted people like Bill Bright, who is the president of InterVarsity and the leader of Young Life. And oh, by the way, Billy Graham, because her teaching was so mesmerizing and kingdom-centered and full of gospel and full of truth. I look at my life and the people that have impacted my life, and I look back and I trace it back from a Sunday school class taught by a woman named Henrietta Mears. Every Sunday she planted seeds. Do you think she had any idea what would happen? Do you think she had any clue? All she did was get up every Sunday, here's what to teach. And do you see what God did? I'm going to take that and use it and cause something marvelous to grow. Later on, Henrietta Mears said, you know what we really need here at our church for our Sunday school class is a retreat, a place where we can go and do spiritual retreat. And so she founded a camp outside of L.A. called Forest Home. The students from this church High school, junior high, go to Forest Home every summer. And what do they hear? They hear the good news that Jesus Christ, that God and Jesus loves them. Do you see where this started? Because someone was faithful. Someone did their part. And God did all the rest. God did all of it. And by the way, God also gave her the gift to plant the seed. <laughs> all glory, all credit goes to God. But isn't, it, isn't it wonderful that he can use us in ways that we may never see in our lifetime? In ways we certainly, like the farmer, we won't understand. And then just, Jesus says, this is what my kingdom's like. Plant sequoias. We get to plant sequoias. Say that your main crop is the forest that you did not plant, that you may not live to harvest. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, help us to have eyes to see your kingdom at work here, in our midst, in our lives. Help us to be good seed throwers. Forgive, to teach, to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, to be patient, loving, and kind, to teach people and others your word. Lord, then help us to be non-anxious and trust in the work that you're doing. It'll be all for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.